1: Hey, grinders! It's your buddy Jordan Cooper, Blender Ed. This is the uh, the advanced sports analytics show. I know I'm not Travis Mango, and I'm filling in for him. Uh, apparently, he he lost his voice last night. I'm assuming because he was yelling at 14 year olds on Fortnite. But I'm here, <laughs> and I'm honored to join Stuart Gibson on one of what I consider my one of my favorite shows on on Roto Grinders. Sometimes it's premium. Sometimes it's free. Uh, but I think it's one of the best listens, especially if you're into a, a large field GPP strategy. So, Stuart, how did last week go for you?
2: Not great. I had my my worst week of the season last week. Uh, yeah, just wasn't responding well to some of the late news. And uh, I don't know, just got my mind stuck on playing Camara and, you know, came down at quarterback, uh, went, you know, bottom of the barrel at. Receiver aside from Michael Thomas and you know it forced me to kind of miss out on Christian Kirk and it's like if you didn't have Christian Kirk in cash uh, You kind of had no chance and if you didn't have him in tournaments, you probably also didn't have much of a chance so uh, I had a decent amount of Kirk in tournaments, but uh, You know way too much Saints, which you know, hey nine points. I don't think anyone saw that coming uh, but yeah. I don't know. Looking forward to rebound this week. Uh, you know, I got some motivation uh, just watching that uh, Brown Steelers game last night. Like I'm, I'm jacked up. I'm ready for uh, week 11 and uh, yeah, looking forward uh, to the Sunday slate. Don't worry.
1: We, we record uh, uh, this over zoom, so I'm not going to be able to go over there and hit you with a helmet. So, <laughs> so, so don't, don't worry if I don't agree with you.
2: <laughs> okay. And I feel safe here uh behind, behind the, camera so yeah
1: yeah yeah last week for me was a weird week for me in cash typically uh, i'm the type of jam in all the running backs and i usually get them right and the wide receivers usually fail me that last week was the complete opposite Like i got in, in cash i played thomas uh dj moore and christian kirk uh and then uh then saquon barkley decided to run for one yard can, can i ask you as, as someone that that's very deep into the data and i i obviously I obviously respect the data. I'm more of a game theory player. I let the data people do the data. Then I look at the data, and then I make my decisions. So I'm not necessarily into – I know how to do some basic modeling. Uh, My question from last week's results, I know 13 uh, carries for one yard for Saquon Barkley, and also the fact that Daniel Jones is at quarterback versus – like we have a large sample size with Barkley playing – large enough, at least for the NFL, uh, for playing Barkley with Eli Manning. At what point in your in your modeling do you start weighing the more recent performances and say maybe the baseline on a player we're, we're projecting a little too strongly?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting question because I'm actually kind of toying with this question. I'm right now working on some uh, projection tools for ASA. We've kind of avoided projection stuff and mostly looked at, uh, like metric aggregation. I think that's a, like a really interesting question is what is the right, um, you know, window for baseline setting. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't have kind of, the there's pro- no, there. Yeah, there kind of there like no answer. It's kind of like, it's a feel thing. Yeah. One, one though aspect I do want, like, as I've started out this projection build, I've been looking at like last 365 days as kind of the baseline. And the more and more I'm thinking about it, I kind of think I want to implement like a last 300 days and what that, you know, essentially two month drop off does is it says like in the first half of a regular season, let's consider kind of a player's performance in the back half of the previous season as part of our baseline. And then once we start hitting the present, uh, you know, those, those 300 with a 300 day cutoff, those last 65 days, uh, essentially eliminate the previous season and say like, okay, now that we're like at more or less a halfway point, like let's start relying on, uh, you know, this season. And I think, yeah, with, you know, NFL tough, right. It's like, unlike baseball or basketball, where you get games, uh, you know, multiple games a week, like it's pretty easy to quickly accumulate sample NFL. Like by the time you reach an adequate sample size to evaluate anything, you know, it's, it's January and, uh, you know, the playoffs are starting and, uh, you know, I think it's definitely tough. Um, I think that there's gotta be some subjectivity there. Uh, and, you know, I think it's kind of for the player to, to decide what, what they want to do. Um, but I'm definitely interested kind of in these uh, projection modeling efforts that we're gonna start undertaking. Uh, yeah, trying to see like what window of baseline appears to be kind of the most salient predictor of, uh, you know, future performance. And uh, yeah, I don't know, hopefully, uh, we can kind of shed some light on that as we uh, push through our, our projection efforts.
1: Yeah, but I think also it really depends on the position, because for instance, uh, I mean, we especially with correlations, we talk about like wide receivers are very dependent on their teammates. Like the wide receiver can't perform well without obviously passing play calling and the and the, obviously the efficiency of of the quarterback. Like running backs, a lot of times, like they could get twenty five carries for forty yards and. We've seen with Christian McCaffrey, we've seen with Leonard Fournette, we've seen with a lot of running backs, Derek Henry, that they can make their entire value on one broken play or on just very opportune goal line situations. We get the, the pass interference in the end zone for that first and goal on the one. And, you know, one running back gets three of those in one game while another running back in a very similar spot, just doesn't happen to get those. So I think, like with last week with Barkley, the in, a, in if we if we just projected that out, that that the Giants being favored in that spot, Barkley high touchdown equity. That if you ran that out like a thousand times, like all Barkley needed to do was like break one run and get one goal line carry and. Like, we wouldn't be talking about, like, is Saquon Barkley dust? Like, it's, it's, it's that margin of error sometimes in one week could be really, really small between running backs.
2: Yeah, and I don't know. I don't think we're moving forward, you know, after this game thinking of oh, Saquon's dust, but um, it, it was. I mean, just an extreme outlier performance. And I do think, like, yeah, your, your sample size kind of consideration is different position by position. Like, running back, these guys tend to accumulate points through – a high amount of low, a high amount of lower variance plays, obviously goal, you know, red zone and goal line stuff is kind of high variance, uh, you know, high, uh, margins as far as what potential kind of value outcome could occur. Um, but wide receivers and, you know, tight ends even more so are like few, even a smaller sample, even higher variance, uh, type plays. And, uh, I mean, Hey, I, we'll get into DVP later. I mean, I think, uh, New York jets are an interesting case of a team that is really stout against the run and really susceptible against receivers. Uh, you know, I, I wonder how much, you know, that factored in. We saw golden Tate and Darius Slayton both really blow up. Um, you know, but, uh, I don't know. I, you know, you want to try not to overreact too too much. And, um, you know, if, if we continue, I mean, Saquon hasn't been super solid this year. Uh, so we might, you know, want to continue to update our priors a little bit, um, but I'm not moving forward, you know, kind of thing Saquon's totally dust. And, you know, I, I feel like some of these opportunities are actually good or some of these outcomes are create good opportunities moving forward to buy in on a guy that, you know, you think had a previously bad outlier uh, outcome, you know, the field gets off him. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have uh, low ownership on a guy who was who good. Um, so
1: that that's what that's what I do all the time. You should see the the NFL Discord when I'm like I'm I'm slamming 30% of this guy and this is like the past two weeks he was horrible. It's like like he's still in a like when I can get Julio Jones at like 3%, like I just have to rely on the fact that he's Julio Jones and it's not that I think that he's going to do well. It's just that he's going to do better than 3% owned. It's it, it's really that relational type of play. So last week uh, with the correlations going uh, I know. I know. Last week uh, talked a lot about the Panthers, and I think we're going to be talking a lot about the Panthers this week. Uh, what correlations, game by game, last week worked out, and what were like some outliers that maybe you didn't see coming?
2: Yeah. So one I wanted to you know call attention to, and I think it also just like dovetails nicely into an update we've made to our correlation app. Uh, I thought the. Uh, Tampa Bay, Arizona game was a really interesting game from a correlation standpoint. And we had some of that correlation actually play out as expected, some of it not. And I think going into it, um, you know, the correlation set up where it actually was a game like I wasn't super interested in stacking. I mean, there's obviously lots of opportunity for, uh, you know, fantasy scoring there just based on the total um, and the teams playing. But it's just like, the pieces to me just didn't fit together quite as nicely as some of the other games. So I I actually last week, you know, moved my tournament uh, exposure slightly away from that game uh, from, from stacking that game and more just picking like one off pieces to get exposure and towards new Orleans and Atlanta, which I thought had really good, uh, you know, team correlation and, uh, you know, cross team game correlation. Um, as well as Carolina, Green Bay, I thought actually had a good opportunity for that. But um, so the one app, the, the update we made with our correlation app is uh, previously, you know, you could look at like guys and see how they correlate uh, with players on their own team. So like going to that uh, Tampa Bay, you know, side of things, uh, one guy we your two guys we've talked about, I guess, in the past is how Godwin and Evans like really negatively correlate and they're not guys like I want to be playing together on a Tampa Bay stack. But um, you know, I want to pick like one or the other. Uh, last week we saw them actually correlate strongly. Uh, they just correlated, you know, to the floor, right? Like, and that is what happens. You know, with positive, like, you know, I don't want people to get confused that like negative correlation is bad and positive correlation means good. It just means like with positive correlation, uh, you're likely to get similar outcomes out of players. With negative correlation, you're likely to get dissimilar outcomes of players. And with Evans and Godwin, we actually saw similar outcomes, uh, both, you know, bad. Um,
1: But I I I think the explanation, uh, because I I, I talk about it a lot of times in the Discord, is that I think in NFL, in all sports, uh, people focus too much on the correlation of plays versus the correlation of full game outcomes, where like your point that you're making is not that Godwin and Evans are not correlated. Obviously uh, they're, they're teammates in a passing game with Jameis Winston. It's just a matter of like when you're playing a 200,000 person GPP and DFS, it's like, you need ceiling outcomes from virtually all your players. And, And unless like Winston throws for 500 yards, like it's quite likely that Godwin and Evans, especially at their expensive prices, don't reach tournament-willing ceilings at the same time, even though they can correlate together and both put up 18-point games, just that 18-point games from each of them at their price is not going to win you anything.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, it's a good point. Like, correlation, you you know, a lot of times comes from game flow, less from play-by-play. Play. Like, I think people assume, like, oh, quarterbacks and receivers are obviously correlated. And, like, yes, they succeed on mutually beneficial plays – But there are cases of receivers who, uh, you know, the game script that favors that receiver actually doesn't favor his quarterback. Um, And even though they, uh, you know, the receiver will, you know, succeed on a correlated play with the quarterback in general, uh, you know, the game, you know, the game scripts that they can succeed in, like don't really correlate. And uh, Christian Kirk was a guy like I really circled as a just – you know, a piece like I really, you know, I think we knew coming of the week like he was underpriced. Um, you know, I really wanted to kind of see how he was correlating with other players. And, um, you know, I think, you know, people were inclined to really, like, stack uh, this game up. And um, so, so anyway, sorry, the, the feature we've added is now we can uh, we can view uh, players' correlations with opponents and positional units of opponents. And, you know, when, when you're looking to stack a game, I think the first place you naturally go is quarterback receiver stack on one side and then running it back with another receiver. And um, I just found myself like not being that interested in going with a Tampa Bay receiver stack running back uh, Kirk because uh, historically Kirk has shown like or I say historically, you know, in 2019. So fairly small sample size and we'll actually let's remove uh, because I don't want, you know, what actually happened to, you know, further kind of, muddy the waters, but we, we saw even coming into the game, uh, you know, Christian Kirk had negative correlation with, uh, you know, opposing receivers in a pretty significant way. And, you know, kind of this like modestly positive correlation with opposing quarterbacks. But, but I was really kind of looking at like this, you know, we know with Tampa Bay, if we're going to run a Tampa Bay stack, it's probably going to be through and a receiver. And the fact that Kirk had kind of this, significant negative correlation with opposing receivers, uh, to me suggested that maybe he was a little more viable, uh, not as part of a Tampa Bay stack, but, uh, you know, as a kind of one-off piece from that game to get exposure to that good game, uh, and maybe seeking out like correlated, uh, game stacks that, that, uh, you know, had a little bit stronger correlation, either, uh, you know, through the receiver quarterback combination or even, you know, ideally with the opposing, uh, receiver, uh, from the other team. And, you know, it was interesting. It wasn't like one I was really privy to, but, uh, you know, coming into the game, like really the nut stack of that game, right. would have been Christian kind of running like a little mini secondary stack of Kirk with Ronald Jones. And, uh, you know, I do think it's interesting how Kirk like has these just pretty decisive correlations with, um, you know, he, he like, he just doesn't correlate well with opposing receivers, uh, has correlated in the past really well with opposing running backs. Um, and also actually had pretty good correlation with Arizona defense. Uh, so yes, we've also added, uh, you know, you can check correlation with DST, um, as part of the application. So, um, I don't know, I, I wasn't really privy at, you know, before the game to this running back and DST correlation Kirk had. I mean, if, you know, I'd spent more time with application probably could have, uh, you know tease that out but uh you know i do think it was interesting uh how you know we saw like kirk i think kind of excels in maybe not like the super big blow-up game which would you know give uh you know good opportunity to like his quarterback uh guys running back on the other side it seems like he kind of does a little better and maybe like a more uh contained game uh where maybe arizona's defense is is you know so we got I, I don't know it's not super strong correlation with defense but um you know, not, not negatively correlated, but um, yeah, it was interesting kind of how that game played out. Uh, You know, the the, the Kirk uh, correlation on the other side played out kind of as the data might suggest. uh, But the the correlation between the Tampa Bay receivers, um, you know, didn't play out as expected. And uh, you know, you'd usually think like if you get one of those guys, you're setting yourself up pretty well. Um, But yeah, both guys hit a floor uh, kind of simultaneously, which, uh, you know, made that, made that stack, uh, you know, tough, tough to, you know, take down the tournament or finish, you know, real high up.
1: Yeah, I'm one of the people that I pat myself on the back that had the, the Kirk and Jones secondary stack. But uh, I came to that conclusion from a completely different reason uh, other than the fact that the, the combination is cheap.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, that's another thing. is like, it's crazy how many people, uh, you know, will go with like this Evans-Godwin stack that's like, and, and with Jameis. I mean, it's an exa- insanely expensive stack to – strongly negatively correlated receivers like there's just very few routes to you know that double stack like taking down a tournament um you know so well price
1: matters i mean I, i'm the king of the vomit stack i do it in baseball <laughs> i do it in football also basketball it's kind of hard to take guys that aren't going to play more than eight minutes really can't get anywhere in basketball because there's no big events yeah uh but uh but yeah in, in nfl like i you you can I mean, uh, you could maybe explain it slightly that I don't mind taking what could be considered slightly negatively correlated players. Like if, if Godwin and Evans, for instance, were both five K and not close to eight K, like I wouldn't necessarily mind because an 18 point game from a five K player, like that's, that's a winnable, that's, that's a winnable score. But once, 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 like I, I looked at uh, last, I mean, I know I didn't, uh, I didn't, do well with the Falcons Saints stacks last week, but I focused more on uh, stacking the Falcons than the, than the Saints only because Michael Thomas being the most expensive receiver and pretty much like I'm not expecting Ginn or cook or like Kamara's expense. If I make a breeze Kamara Thomas stack, like that's expensive. They have to score a lot of points. I focused more on the, on the, the Ryan Ridley Hooper type of stuff. The Ryan Freeman Ridley, like those five. Like, I want to get that stack 15K, and then I could shove in like Kamara as the one run back or Thomas as the one. Because the Saints have such uh condensed production that like I don't feel a need to stack. I'll just get the one guy that get like Thomas scored 31 fantasy points and the Saints didn't even play well. Like he could have gone for 50 if they did.
2: Yeah, no, it's I mean the the kind of less purely correlated stacks are, are far more palatable when you, when you have, you know, those cheap stacks. Cause you just don't need, uh, you know, such an excessive ceiling, uh, you know, to reach like that tournament winning level. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm,
1: I'm just prefacing that because I may, I may be mentioning, I, 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 on this show, I know I'm on the blitz show tomorrow and I start, I'm going to start mentioning these 1% own quarterbacks that people are going <laughs> to laugh at me. And then don't realize that that's typically how I would.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in the next like little app update we wanted to share, uh, we showed the DVP app a little while ago. And at the time it was just looking at, you know, how, uh, you know, teams uh, or defenses rather kind of uh, production allowance to opposing teams. Uh, You know team uh opposing positions as kind of just like a raw total and like i knew coming in kind of that was a a a slightly noisy way of looking at it just because different teams uh you know play different skill levels of opponent on a given week and you know certain teams shouldn't be pun uh you know penalized for um you know playing a difficult opponent and and teams you know should be rewarded for successfully uh you know, mitigating the production of a really strong opponent. So, so we've added this little uh, opponent adjusted feature in here, which is the app is going to default to, uh, now, uh, if you want to turn it off and just look at like raw, you know, fancy, like I'm looking at fancy points allowed per rush attempt. If you just want to look raw, you know, you can uncheck the box and that's what you'll get. Um, in kind of these initial modeling efforts we're doing, I, I found the opponent adjusted to be, uh, you know, a good bit more salient than like raw, uh, you know, raw metrics. So, you know, I'm kind of, if you, if you are going to be using DVP metrics and as part of your strategy, I do think adjusting for opponent is worthwhile. Um, and, you know, what you're just looking at now is just how uh, many fantasy points per rush attempt in this example, each defense is allowing above or below the, uh, you know, long form average of their opponents. Uh, you know, they played in a given game uh, you know, so we know like Carolina is, quite bad against the run when just looking at a raw, you know, raw perspective, they rank as, you know, the work, you know, giving up the most fantasy points per rush attempt, but they're not, you know, that far uh, ahead of green Bay as the worst, uh, you know, per touch or per rush attempt kind of defense. But when we were scaling for opponent, uh, they really appear to be like even worse than kind of the raw numbers would suggest. I mean, they're, you know, over a hundred percent, you know, worse kind of opponent adjusted, you uh, you know, fantasy point per rush attempt and kind of the next competitor is Cincinnati. And like on the flip side, uh, Tampa Bay, we know, you know, even in the raw is extremely, uh, you know, fish offic- or I guess skilled in reducing, uh, you know, opponent running backs scoring through the ground game. Um, and I mean, they really just even show that more. So, uh, when we're adjusting for opponent, like one of the you know, guys they faced twice this year and done a pretty good job of limiting Christian McCaffrey, um, so, you know, when we are adjusting for opponents, we can really begin to see even better, like how, how good and bad some of these defenses are at limiting, uh, you know, per, per touch kind of efficiency stuff. Uh, you know, we also have like market share stuff. I think the market share, uh, you know, target air yards, market share by position is pretty interesting. Uh, if we are you know looking at a team that we want to attack through the air, maybe understanding, uh, where they scheme their targets towards and away from, uh, so, you know, you can pull in like multiple positions and just see like which teams are uh, effectively reducing their opponent's receivers marking shares or which teams are kind of yielding a boost in market share towards uh, tight ends or running backs, etc. cetera. Um, but yeah, so the, the opponent adjustment is kind of the uh, new feature that we have with the DVP, DVP tool. Um, and as we go game by game, I'll try to provide, you know, some notes on, on the games where there's like a, you know, a. You know, defense that's yielding uh, a particularly high amount of volume or efficiency to a specific position. Uh, you know, as we think about, uh, you know, which which games we want to be attacking. Uh, you know, week uh, week eleven main slate. So let's let's take a look at it. Let's go game by game. Yeah,
1: sounds good. Give man. what the people give. Give the people what they want. Yeah. So I'm I'm just going to go down to, by by time based on the the roto grinders starting lineups page, uh, which starts with. Uh, Dallas at Detroit in a dome. I'll I'll, I'll just preface this a little. Uh, I may have more than 0.8% projected ownership of Jeff Driscoll in this game. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? He's, Hey, he's 4,600. He's probably correlated with, with a lot of people on his team.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's super cheap. Um, you know, that, that's a, it's a good, like, high total game, and I, I'm surprised. Uh, I haven't, you know, my notes updated kind of over-unders and spreads since uh, last night, but, uh, yeah, I'm surprised that they're giving kind of Detroit, uh, you know, only plus three and a half is what I'm seeing now. Uh, so, you know, I think Detroit's implied total isn't, uh, you know, isn't that bad. Um, I don't really have many notes on kind of what the doubt you know, Dallas defense is, I think, above average in, in kind of most categories, but not really, like, yielding exceptional um you know volume or efficiency like it's any position uh, you know one note i think we've kind of t- touched on in the past with detroit is the negative correlation between marvin jones and galladay uh you know there, there are few instances where both those guys uh you know really explode for ceiling games we actually saw you know, that reverse a little bit two weeks ago against, I forget who it was they're playing, but we're, we're both those guys, you know, had big games. But, um, so I don't know. I don't think you, uh, I don't think you can't double stack Detroit, but it does seem like a game, uh, you know, and and just given Driscoll's kind of, uh, I I just don't think he's like as conducive of a quarterback for like a big, uh, you know, double stack kind of showing for Detroit. I think my approach would be to pick one of those guys. and, And if you like both, um, you know, kind of doing, uh, you know, mixes of single stacking each. Uh, what's Ty, Ty Johnson, I think, uh, is potentially not going to play. And, uh, you know, J.D. McKissich is a pretty effective pass catching running back. Um, so I do think there you know could be opportunities to to go, uh, you know, QB running back, maybe QB running back receiver on the Detroit side. Um,
1: yeah, and it turns out uh, the, the Lions are now a seven-point underdog now.
2: Oh, okay, because Ty Johnson... Or, no, no, because right.
1: uh, Stafford is you're out, right. so the, the line has moved. So they have a 19.75 current implied team total. Okay. But for their price, like you mentioned the stack that, I, uh, that I'm that i exactly looking at. Doesn't mean I'm going to play, but I'm looking at it. It's, it's only Friday of uh, Driscoll, McKissick, and then one of Galladay and Jones, and I can keep that stack size under. And then the run back, especially since if I'm using the running back slot, I don't feel compelled... To have to use Zeke, I could use Cooper or Gallup as as the run back there. But uh, what what do you what do you look at as far as uh, the correlation side on the on the Cowboys? Like the problem I always find with them is that like I never feel that compelled to stack with Zeke in the running back slot for that expensive of a price.
2: Yeah, I'm not that familiar with kind of how, uh, you know, Dallas's receivers are correlating versus uh, their opponents. Uh, you know, I could, could pull it up here fairly quickly, but um, I, you know, I, I, I mostly am playing cash and, and uh, you know, I kind of think my, my mind tends to think about it that way. I mean, Zeke is a, is a guy that I ha- we haven't really been talking about much this year, but I do think he's in a pretty – pretty good spot and, you know, I don't know, I I think Zeke could even be a part of a, you know, GBP game stack. I mean, Detroit uh, has been very bad against, you know, opposing running backs on the ground, but I think uh, they're also, like, really exposed to running backs through the air. Um, You know, they're they're allowing uh, the second most opponent-adjusted fantasy points per running back target uh, in the league, so uh, you know, I do think, like, there are avenues to Zeke succeeding in a closer than expected game where, you know, you would think like the conventional route to, you know, Zeke smashing is like Dallas blowout pounding Zeke. But uh, I do think he has some upside and kind of an explosive, uh, you know, explosive type uh, or sort of like high scoring closer than expected game. uh, You know, if Dallas does feel compelled to kind of go to the air more than we might project, uh, you know, I do think there is some run for Zeke uh, you know, in that regard. Um, let's move some windows out of the way. I mean, I don't know. It's looking like Dallas receivers are, uh, at least like Cooper and Gallup are, are kind of negatively correlating with opponent receivers. Um, which would suggest maybe, uh, you know, it would take kind of a reversal of data to, to get, uh, you know, the, the, the Dallas receivers and a, uh, you know, Detroit receivers to blow up. But, uh, Again, like with these correlations, like they are trends, not laws. So, you know, you can see negatively correlated kind of plays uh, hit in the same game. Um, it just, uh, you know, seems slightly less likely than, uh, you know, your, your correlated plays hitting together,
1: in my opinion. Right, right. We're, we're talking about probabilities here. A lot of people in daily fantasy sports think in terms of 100% or 0%, and we're thinking in terms of uh, more likely and less likely, doesn't mean it can't happen. It's just that the probability is lower, not 1%. You know, it's, it's, it's most human beings' probabilities, just anything in the middle kind of becomes, like they don't realize that a 20% shot is actually not that l- long shot. But when you look at that 20 or something, you look at that negative 0.19 correlation, negative correlation and go, oh, that can't possibly happen. It's like, it's not, it's not that dramatic.
2: Yeah, for sure. And like in tournaments, you know, let's face it, like you're shooting for extremely low probability, uh, you know, level of performance for your lineup. So like, you know, to to rule out, you know, some 20 percent probability is like, oh, that's not a good play. Well, like then, you know, large field GPPs probably aren't good plays because the probability of, you know, winning a significant amount of money on those is. Hell of a lot less than twenty uh, percent. So.
1: Right, play double ups if you want the fifty percent. If you want the fifty fifth percentile outcomes, you know, just play double ups. Yep. So, so the next game, uh, let's see if we could talk about this game in less than sixty seconds. Uh, <laughs> Jets Redskins thirty eight and a half total. Uh, <sighs> Now, this seems like the vomit game that I would go to. I'll be like, okay, how do I stack Haskins with McLaren and then run it back with Bell and whatever? But like, this would be the perfect time that I would consider playing Adrian Peterson if it wasn't for the fact that Darius Geis is going to be back. But then what, once I remove that, I'm going, so I'm going to play Darnold with two pass catchers? And and Darnold's not even that cheap. He's 5,700. So is, is there... I mean, I know that there's positive correlations in this game. The problem is, is that is there, are there ceilings here?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like positive correlation doesn't do you that well if there's you know not you know a point scoring, which you know point scoring, real life point scoring equates or correlates you know fantasy point scoring quite strongly. Like you know, if you don't have you know a a kind of competitive enough and, and you know high scoring enough game to support you know, multiple, uh, you know, players doing well, like there's not too much you can do there. And I I feel like we're kind of running into that with this game. I mean, 38 and a half is just an abysmal total. And the fact that it's only, uh, you know, Washington one and a half, I mean, it's not like, you know, one of these games where like Washington could even, you know, is projected to reach like, you know, 20, 25 with like, you know, an onslaught type thing. It's like expected to just be a close low scoring game. Yeah. McLaurin's the one guy, you know, you touched on there's, going to be no data really uh, at the pro level for McLaurin, you know, to Haskins correlation there. Um, but, you know, we like New York, uh, the jets are really effective against the run and really not effective against, uh, you know, opposing receivers on the outside. Um, you know, they're uh, so that that could be like one area, one attack, but in general, not too interested uh, in this game.
1: Well, let's go to a, a game that is similar Like, it it fits more of the bill of it's a low total, but it's more lopsided, and that's uh, Broncos at Vikings in the Dome, 40.5 total, but, I mean, the Vikings are currently over a 10-point favorite, so at least the Vikings have a healthy implied total. And we also have the the possibility that Thielen uh, is going to be out for this game. So uh, I know we have, uh, you know, Diggs is going to get, a higher market share and we always have Dalvin cook there, but how correlative is from, from a ceiling perspective is like stacking this game with like Kirk, uh, cousins cook and Diggs together for that high price being that cook is a pass catching running back. Do you think that it's a, it's a better correlative move to forego cook in that type of stack and play like Kyle Rudolph or earth Smith instead Or is it the type of thing where you're actually trying to do the opposite and you're gonna try to go for the Broncos actually stay in this game and you play the the cheaper Brandon Allen Cortland Sutton type of stack and then just play one of Diggs or Cook?
2: Yeah, I mean you would think with Feeling being out, like there, you know, there is obviously more opportunity uh, for some of these other guys. And I was looking this morning at you know, when, when we have like these injury situations, like I'm usually trying to find who's negatively correlated with that injured player. And like in general, you know, that player tends to perform better, uh, you know, when the injured player is uh, low performing, uh, you know, which we could loosely equate to being out. And uh, I was finding like Phelan <clears throat> kind of is, you know, uncorrelated with some of the guys that, like, I was thinking we might want to play, like, my mind gravitates to, uh, you know, digs or, like, I mean, Kyle Rudolph feels super thin, but, you know, like, hey, maybe he catches two touchdowns again. I'm not really – that's not something I want to bank on. Um, But, like, you know, he just – Thielen, like, seems to kind of operate independently or maybe some of these players operate somewhat independently of Thielen such that it's not, like, really tipping me any one way to be, like, oh, with Thielen out, like, you know, Ola BC Johnson's going to crush like Ola BC Johnson has essentially no correlation to Thielen either such that, you know, the absence of Thielen doesn't give me a ton of confidence um, in his performance, uh, you know, sans Thielen. And um, I mean, Denver's just a tough, uh, you know, nasty defense, Uh, even at the running back position, like, uh, you know, Cook is a guy we might think to go to. And, uh, but I don't know, Denver's like really tough against running back, uh, you know, especially in pass catching opportunities, like they're allowing the third fewest fantasy points per running back target uh, in the league. And I think a lot of Cook's upside, especially at that price, would have to come through the passing game. And, you know, given Denver being tough against running backs in the past, uh, you know, super high. Spread that would suggest that maybe cook won't even get that much usage through the past game if the game kind of carries out as expected and like also we've seen Minnesota uh, You know spell cook a decent amount with Alex Madison who's been actually quite effective uh, you know, I do have some concern that if uh, Minnesota goes up, you know puts up a lot of points, which is what you would need kind of for a big cook or a big digs game uh you know, they might be inclined to like do a little more spelling of cook with Madison. Um, you know, we know digs is upside. So I think he's worth taking, uh, you know, a few kind of one-off tournament dart throws, but as a correlated stack, just given kind of the matchup in total and just the price that, uh, you know, two of our kind of primary, uh, skill players that we would want to stack are at. It's not a game that's doing a ton for me. Uh, you know, from, from a, uh, from kind of a team or game stack standpoint.
1: So moving on to the next game, which I think is going to be the second most popular game on, on the slate and GPPs. Uh, We talked a little about the Buccaneers before, so we don't necessarily have to rehash that as much, but uh, we have Winston 6,500, Godwin 7,300, Mike Evans 7,400 on DraftKings. Drew Brees 6,900, Kamara 7,400, Michael Thomas is now up to 9,900. Do you think at these prices that a five-man double stack of this game is just too low probability that you need to like blow out that team total? You know that that 49 and a half needs to become a 70 plus in order for it to be worth it to stack. Even though I'm pretty sure people will try to do.
2: Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's like a very expensive stat, uh, you know, stacking options just doesn't correlate very well either. Like we've kind of talked about already the Tampa Bay side, like there's just no sense. I think in playing Godwin and Evans, um, you know, and and then kind of, you got on the, the new Orleans side, like Thomas is in a smash spot. Uh, I think, I don't know. I could see at the price people being bullish on Camara, like, I'm not uh, just the the Latavius thing. Uh, even though I was like I was bullish on Kamara last week, you know, just given the matchup. But uh, you know, Tampa Bay, I mean, just destroys running backs both on the run, but also through the air. Uh, they're allowing the fourth fewest uh, DraftKings points per running back target, uh, which is how like I think Kamara's avenue to hitting a real ceiling game is just being super effective through the air and. Uh, you know, I think Tampa Bay is like really, uh, you know, good at mitigating that as well as, you know, stopping and on the ground. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think to me, and especially given the popularity, it's not really like a game I want to stack up, uh, but more a game I think I would want to try to incorporate solo pieces from in cheaper stacks or in, you know, more correlated uh, stacks, because like, Last week, I think one of the really compelling parts of that Tampa Bay-Arizona game was there weren't like a ton of super high total games. Um, I'm not sure how the number of games stack up this week to last, but, you know, last week was kind of a small slate and not like a great slate in terms of, you know, total games. And I think like this week, we actually have a few really compelling or equally compelling games from kind of a total standpoint where the guys are cheaper, uh, the pieces are better correlated, and, uh, you know, the ownership might be a little more, a uh, little lower than kind of what we would like to see, uh, you know, to, to try to stack this Tampa Bay, uh, New Orleans game. Um, I mean, you know, the positives like breeze, Thomas, Camara correlate well, um, you know, in general, I'm not really convinced like this is the, this, this Tampa Bay matchup to me, like, doesn't seem like uh, you know, a team that's going to allow great correlation between kind of running backs and receivers. Um, so yeah, I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't be trying to you know really load up like fi- line up like five guys from this game. Uh, you know maybe maybe like a secondary stack where you're picking like a skill player from each side. I don't know if these quarterbacks I really want too much of naked. I mean certainly not Drew Brees. Like uh, yeah, I don't really want any of these quarterbacks naked. Uh, you know I might try to find like a kind of secondary skill player stack, maybe putting uh, you know like Thomas across from. Godwin, uh, Thomas across from Evans. I think in general, like Tampa Bay, uh, at least in 2019, we've seen Evans correlate really well with Jameis, and we've seen Godwin kind of blow up in games where Jameis isn't doing so great. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, Godwin I might prefer as like a secondary, uh, you know, piece to a primary stack in a different game. Because like if you're going with Evans as that kind of one-off piece, uh, there is some risk where like if Evans blows up, all the people that have Jameis too might might be leapfrogging you. Uh, you know, if the quarterback that you're stacking around isn't like also you know hitting a great spot or kind of exceeding Jameis, so it's kind of my my thinking there. So uh, you talked
1: about naked quarterbacks. Let's go to the game that features two that you could potentially play naked, and one that is obviously the best quarterback on the slate. But we, we talk about correlations and stacking. I think we have one side where there's. I think there are heavy correlations in this game. The problem is I don't think I, I don't think you could like double the problem is it's 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 like a one one. It's always the problem. Ravens, Texans, fifty-one and a half total. Uh Ravens twenty-eight Im- implied team total. Lamar Jackson seventy seven hundred. Uh Watson, sixty eight hundred. Uh I mean Watson and Hopkins are as correlative as you could get between a quarterback and a and, and a wide receiver. And then Lamar Jackson, uh, you could play him by himself and he could be the this, this ceiling score. And the problem is, is that I think he's correlative to all, like all the other teammates. I like Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews are like, like are the players that you would correlate with him. The, I think the problem comes in that we have every week is that Lamar Jackson could suck up so much of the production on the ground that neither of his correlated assets Put up a ceiling game with him.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, Lamar is like week in and week out one of the top quarterbacks that I'm considering naked. Um, but like you said, the correlation with Andrews and Marquise Brown, and 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 both Brown and Andrews actually correlate quite well together, is compelling. Uh, you know, I think kind of the the route with Jackson is like play a little bit of both. Uh, you know, if you're if you're playing multiple lineups, you know, mix in some some Jackson Brown, mix in some Jackson Andrews and then also consider some Jackson naked and maybe, you know, run back with the Houston receiver. Um, you know, the issue with Jackson uh, Well, sorry, right, let's talk about the Baltimore side for a sec and, and kind of what Houston does on defense. Cause Houston's a pretty interesting defense in that they are very strong against running backs on the ground and through the air. Um, I'm sorry. They're very strong against running backs on the ground. They are exceptional, like one of the best defenses against tight ends. Um, you know, they're allowing the second lowest fantasy points per tight end target um, and fantasy points per tight end air yard. Um, you know, so for me, like, Andrews isn't a guy I want to completely wipe out just because he gets so much red zone use, but I'm definitely, like, when thinking about a Jackson stack, probably this week going to skew a little more towards Marquise Brown because that's really where Houston can be attacked. Um, you know, they're allowing the six highest, uh, opponent adjustment wide receiver target market share and the second highest wide receiver air yard market share. So they're allowing uh, receivers to, I guess, exceed their historical market share at the second highest rate in the league. And, you know, Mark Keys Brown is a guy we're not really interested in from a target floor standpoint. We're really interested in him because of the, the area, you know, the upside he has via, you know, his air yards. Um, so when stacking uh, Lamar, if I am going to stack Lamar with, you know, one of his pass catchers, Marquise Brown is the route, you know, I think I would prefer. Um, and also like Andrew's price is kind of pretty high this week. Um, I think they're kind of better options. You go with tight end uh, again, you know, wouldn't rule them out. Cause like, it seems like people, uh, you know, this isn't a week where I think people are going to want to pay up for tight end. There's a lot of intriguing, uh, you know, running backs and wide uh, wide receivers and there's not a whole lot of salary. Well, You know, there's not a lot of like safe, you know, real comfortable salary relief at quarterback we feel good about. So, you know, Andrews could be that contrarian pay up. Um, Yeah. So, but then, you know, the idea of running back, uh, you know, one of the challenges Baltimore, uh, Jackson, and Marquise Brown and Andrews negatively correlate with the performance of their opponents. Um, You know, I think in a 51 fairly close game, like people's inclination is going to be to, you know, all right, cool. Let's like run our Jackson stacks, uh, you know, stack them up with. Uh, Brown or Andrews or or both, uh, you know, who are going to run back with Houston? I think an interesting, uh, you know, Houston guys aren't cheap on the other side, uh, Fuller and Hopkins. You know, I do think there's kind of some viability to a, you know, Baltimore onslaught kind of build where you're just going, uh, you know, Jackson, one of his primary pass catchers, saving on the Houston side and kind of reallocating uh, some of that money elsewhere for, uh, you know, some correlated plays at some of the other positions. Um, yeah, you, you find that at all? Or Are you thinking if you're gonna go Baltimore, you, you want to run it back with the Houston guy?
1: Well, I think I think the, the issue is is that a lot of times Ravens ceiling results involve them having the ball for so much possession that the opposing side just like they could put up points, but just like they just run so many less plays that it becomes less probable that ha- that happens. I think the contrarian way to go this game, I'm not saying I'm doing it, but I think there's, I think, I mean, you could show me, maybe I'm wrong. I think there's a strong negative correlation between Mark Ingram and everyone else on the Ravens that if you wanted to go with one of these Ingram four touchdown type of games that you go Watson, Hopkins, Fuller, Ingram, which is a way to get like completely contrarian exposure to a 51 total that people won't have that combination.
2: Yeah, it's uh, no, it's a good point. When we've seen it in the past, where uh, you know, Lamar and company have kind of pushed the ball downfield, and then Ingram's just kind of backed his way into a multi-touchdown game. Um, you know, I think I think there's kind of optionality there for sure. Um, so, are you going to try to then you thinking to run that back with Houston guys and maybe like build around a Watson stack or just or go it could on? be a one-one. It could be a secondary correlation.
1: I could do something like Ingram Fuller. Uh, I mean, I look at Fuller because at least he's so much cheaper than Hopkins, but I mean, if anyone's going to put up a 40 point score, it's, I mean, yeah, obviously Buller could do it, but he needs to do it on like three or four big plays. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm going to do this. I'm just saying this is how I approach looking at games going like most people look at this and go, Oh, I'm going to do Jackson Brown, Andrews, Hopkins, sure. something like that. And I go, like, I look at the total price and I go, Andrews at 6,100 there just doesn't have, like, I don't mind playing him instead of Brown, but, like, combined. And then I just start looking at contrarian ways. So, like, I'm just looking at how do the pieces fall in? And I don't find it very compelling to do, like, a Lamar Jackson Brown stack and then, like, running it back with Darren Fells. Like, I'm not a big fan, unless the tight end is, like, a high level, if it's a Kelsey Ertz, Waller, a tight end that could, like, get there on his own. Typically, I include tight ends that are, like, as part of a stack. So like the quarterback has the highest score on the slate, but, and the tight end also has like one of the touchdowns and like a five sixty mm-hmm. type of game.
2: Yep. So, so just pulling up the, uh, in 2019, you know, Ingram, how he's correlating with, like, I just selected Jackson and Brown and you're kind of the two shiny pieces here. Uh, Ingram Jackson, a negative 0.004 correlation. So essentially like those two guys operate completely independent of each other. Um, you know, so, I, so yeah, it's it's an interesting, uh, you know, kind of wrinkle where you could, uh, you know, feel like you're you're getting some leverage on the field. Um, yeah, so I think worth an idea there.
1: So let's go to uh, to another game that maybe we could get over with. No, maybe not. Okay, no, sorry. Let, this is a vomit game, so we got to spend some time. I think most people would skip over this game a little. Bills Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins at home. Bills are, uh, what, it looks like almost a seven-point favorite, six-and-a-half-point favorite, 40-and-a-half total. Uh, We get into a similar situation, I guess, maybe with Lamar Jackson as we do with Josh Allen, I guess a little, because he is a Russian quarterback, so he kind of steals production from other teammates. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we have the Dolphins, who uh, I've been – this will be my third week in a row stacking them. Uh, So I'm telling you right now uh, I will have, I I will have a lot of this game. Uh, You can't tell me at these prices that Fitzpatrick and two receivers or at tight, like any of the two pass catchers are for their prices is not like absurdly correlated.
2: Yeah. um, I don't know. I I don't have too much on the Miami side uh, offensively. Like, just not, not saying like I don't have much in that, you know, I'm not playing them. I uh, just haven't like really too many notes on them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, with Miami, like look, uh, Preston Williams' injury opens up a lot of opportunity for, uh, you know, some of these some of these guys. Devontae Parker's been pretty consistent uh, all year. And, you know, I do like, uh, <clears throat> it has yet to pay off this year, but I think like guys like Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant are, uh, you know, always worth like a little kind of sprinkle. They are just have so much big play upside and uh, you know, Wilson in particular, like Miami has uh, I know this is a new coaching scheme this year. So I uh, haven't really been paying attention to how much they've been utilizing him in gadget plays, but like he does seem like a guy that Miami sometimes uh, in the past has tried to get the ball to and kind of some creative ways. And uh, yeah, I mean at those price tags, like, look, you just need one big play um, to, you know, kind of for them to make value and even kind of give you an opportunity to really take down uh you know a big tournament and yeah those price tags I mean, give you the opportunity to get up to a guy like Michael Thomas uh you know if that's where you want to go or you know some of these other high price running backs. Uh so yeah I'm definitely intrigued by it. Um, you know, I do have some notes on the Buffalo side uh and have a a like grab your grab your trash can because a a real vomit stack on the Buffalo side. Um, but you know, Miami. I'm, I'm waiting. No, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I see I'm, you lighting up and talking about vomit. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to take notes myself. Let's go. Come on. I'm, I'm going to close with the vomit, but I will say Miami is allowing the highest opponent adjusted ADOT uh, in the league. And we know Josh Allen's a guy that likes to push. I know down. who you you're going to talk down. about. I
0: know. I know. it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. I'm going to get there. Uh, Miami's been very effective. At I can't wait. Come on. It's get Dawson there. Knox. Dawson Knox uh, is a guy that uh, has received red zone targets in back-to-back games. Miami is effective at funneling the ball away from running backs and uh, wide receivers in the passing game, really yielding a higher, uh, you know, an up, uh, you know, an elevated market share to tight ends. Uh, Dawson Knox, man, uh, you know, Josh Allen, Dawson Knox uh, probably will lose you a lot of money, but um, you know, I'm intrigued. Uh, You know, the, 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 the market share kind of split that Miami allows suggests that maybe tight end's a spot we can attack them. Dawson Knox has been receiving some red zone looks as of late, uh, so I'm a little interested in a Dawson Knox-Josh Allen stack. Was that what you were expecting or no? Uh, uh,
1: uh, kind of what I was expecting, <laughs> a little. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of this uh, uh, vomit double stack? Allen, Brown, Knox, Balaj Parker. <laughs> Let's do it. Come I mean, on, yeah, Millie. I, look,
2: <laughs> Allen to Brown is always in play. Like, the guys are a match made in heaven. Like, Brown wants to get downfield. Allen wants to push the ball downfield or throw it to the other team. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm with you. I think, uh, you know, trying to get on this Buffalo side here uh, could be interesting to me. Um, yeah, and like, you know, Brian Flores has shown so far that like win behind, he's totally okay with just airing it out. Uh, you know, Fitzpatrick's fearless with the ball. And, you know, the Miami side is like so cheap. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not thinking you're crazy at all. And I'm gonna now this I'm game gonna, is so cheap. <laughs> I'm now I, I'm I'm taking more of it now.
1: This is making me because you can take Because The whole thing is like Allen is prone to turnovers. Fitzpatrick is prone to turnovers like this game could turn into like everyone gets a short field, like every yeah. possession. And yeah. it's like the game could just automatically all of a sudden we go. Why is this game 42 to 35 with two quarterbacks that have fumbled three times and thrown two interceptions?
2: Yeah. I mean like no punch, just like turnovers or touchdowns, uh, but
1: it yeah. could also be the opposite. Understand, this is the type of game where Frank Gore has 26 carries and Bellage has 22 carries, and they both have like 50 yards each, and the clock runs out.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, worth. I think worth some 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 creative and interesting dart throws. Is do we by the way, Jakeem Grant uh, still returning punts for Miami? I believe so. I, I've always kind of you know that would be an interesting way to go as like a Jakeem Grant double dip, uh, Miami DST. They are priced up a little bit, though, uh, and then like you know, some Buffalo, uh, like I don't know, Knox Allen Allen or Knox Allen Brown, something like that. Anyways, okay. yeah, I told <laughs> you we would get along this show. This is great. <laughs> All right, we've we've killed though this. Uh, I think. Yeah, this let,
1: let's go to a game that every everyone wants to talk about. Okay, let's go to a game that we wanted to talk about, even though it's vomit. Uh, I think going to be the most popular game on the entire slate. Both in cash and in GPP. So obviously, I lean towards being under on GPP. Uh, Falcons, Panthers, uh, forty-nine and a half total. Carolina favored by four. Uh, I know you talked about the Panthers last week. That very call correlative. Allen, Moore, Samuel, McCaffrey, well, uh, Olson. even throwing Olsen. They're yeah. pri- other than McCaffrey, the prices are cheap,
2: very reasonable. Yeah
1: we're going to have a very chalky Brian Hill as a, as obviously part of a run back either in a single or a double. Like, I think we're going to see a lot of like Allen Allen and two of McCaffrey more Samuel, or maybe Olson. And then like a Hill, Julio Jones, a Hill, Calvin Ridley, like that type of double stack. Do you think for the prices that it's going to be still too Owned for large field GPPs, that it makes it plus EV. I
2: mean, I think it's going to be too owned to like play the obvious, like Alan Moore, Samuel Hill. Um, look, I mean, I, I don't want to be full fading. Um, you know, a, a, a well-correlated strong Carolina team against, you know, probably, you know, maybe the most porous defense, um, you know, in football.
1: Um, oh, we said that about that. This what happened to the Saints? They got six sacks on the Saints. It could happen.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, they're, they're good at putting pressure on the quarterback. I, I think, um, or, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know. That that game was ridiculous. I, yeah, but it could have
1: that, but that, well, that's <laughs> what GPPs are. I look at, yeah. See, I, I get it. I get it. I'm more like, I think, I think the stack has the highest raw expectation. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I, 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 I don't think we have to break down why they're correlated. I mean, they're correlated and they're cheaper than they probably should be. Yeah. But I think that I'm more likely to not fade the game, but right, right. just like I'll take like a Kyle Allen, DJ Moore single stack and then have like Brian, like just do that and not take Samuel or take yep. these guys as one-offs. A secondary, a uh, Brian Hill, Curtis Samuel secondary stack without the quarterbacks like i'm not against the game i think the game i think this is the best game on the slate mm-hmm. price wise and expectation wise it's just that uh i think if you're playing like a like a 200,000 person gpp i just think like wait if you're gonna play alan Moore, samuel mccaffrey hill something like 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 how much leverage you're gonna have to get so much leverage from your
2: other two spots like yeah. who are you playing yeah, I mean, someone totally off the board. You know, Jakeem Grant and uh, Dolphins DST. And uh, Dolphin um, Knox.
1: we got to play yeah, Dolphins <laughs> Knox in there.
2: Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, the leverage spot I've been kind of trying to work for the past couple of weeks on the Carolina side is uh, Curtis Samuel is one guy who actually has negative correlation with McCaffrey. Uh, you know, some thought that maybe, uh, you know, Samuel like, has yet to really like reach that game that, you know, we're just really, uh, you know, happy we played Curtis Samuel uh, on. But, I'm going to kind of keep going back there. And, uh, you know, I do expect McCaffrey to be pretty popular. Uh, you know, Brandon's talked at length, uh, his kind of disinterest in playing McCaffrey in tournaments. Um, you know, I kind of see where he's getting that, like at, at, you know, 10-5, like you need him to hit 50, uh, for him to kind of give you a realistic chance at winning, uh, you know, GPP, which he can do, but you know, if he's going to be 20, 30% owned, like I am probably more inclined to short him and, you know, If he gets 35, 40 points, like, that's great, uh, you know, in cash. But in tournaments, like, you you know, you're really having to come on strong with some other guys. So Curtis Samuel is a guy like I'm kind of interested in using as a leverage piece against uh, McCaffrey. Uh, Brian Hill, you know, will be chalk or probably should be chalk. Um, I don't know. I'm inclined to think he's good chalk. I mean, Carolina is atrocious against the run there. I mean, as we showed earlier, the show, like they're allowing the most uh, opponent adjusted fantasy points per rush attempt uh, by literally like 150% of the next closest competitor. Um, You know, and if with no Devonta Freeman, like I I do kind of like the spot Brian Hill's in and the the price he's at, um, you know, would be an interesting, I think uh, you know, stacking don't have much of an opinion on him and there's kind of limited data on him from a correlation standpoint but i mean i love him also just as like a one you know one-off plug-in piece uh as part of kind of uh you know a primary stack that's on another game but uh yeah i mean i'm with you uh the the ownership is going to be pretty massive here um and i think i might try to gravitate more towards houston baltimore or uh what is it cincinnati oakland as uh kind of alternative uh games that, that I kind of want to stack around um just because the ownership is going to be so high but I, I like I do a good amount of cash mostly like cash play uh on Sundays so I will be getting a ton of this game in cash I mean I think um I mean god like running five uh Panthers of Alan McCaffrey Moore Samuel Olson like is not crazy at all in cash uh you know I think uh and I say you're, it's you're, hard. you're
1: getting like 95% of the Panthers offense and just not worrying about how it's distributed.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's got, it's got great floor, pretty limited ceiling. So not, you know, something I'm interested in doing in tournaments, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think all those guys set up pretty nicely and uh, yeah, I mean, Atlanta Hooper, Hooper's out. So, you know, figuring out what's going to happen with that volume uh, I think will be, you know, a pretty interesting, uh, you know, way where you can kind of get creative. Uh, I think, in terms of like where they're used in the field, like you would expect maybe Calvin Ridley to uh, like, you know, Hooper man, and I, I, Hooper was the the guy I was running back mostly with last week in New Orleans and seeing him catch that early touchdown and then get injured was, uh, was pretty heartbreaking, but um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see uh, you know, who, who replaces the Austin Hooper role. And uh, you know, I think Calvin Ridley set up fairly nicely uh, to be that guy. Uh, would have to dig in more to kind of the historic data, though, to really solidify an opinion on that one.
1: Okay, next game, a game that I'm interested in, that it seems like no one else is, which is perfect. That's what I like. Jacksonville, Indianapolis, in the Dome, the <laughs> Colts. I, I say that because uh, Derek Hardy loves dome games. So like, oh, okay. I just always have to point that out. <laughs> oh, it's a dome game. That means the blitz is going to like multiply everyone's fantasy points by 74 or something.
2: Uh, Honestly, I've been doing, uh, so with this projection kind of algorithm that we're working on, I'm going to use some sort of like data machine learning algorithm where you can look at like the importance of different variables. And I do have, I am controlling for, you know, indoors and wind speed. Uh, and indoor, like indoors, is showing up as a completely not salient uh, variable in, in the whole model. Uh, Got to continue kind of playing with the data. But, you know, I, I, I have also like sus- subscribed to that theory. And uh, look, I mean, kind of data modeling can show you uh, some things that aren't true sometimes and can show you, uh, you know, false positives and, and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, true negatives and all this stuff. But I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, look, I literally actually have no no notes on this game. Uh, I know historically, Indy's a team that uh, you know is funnels passes towards the middle of the field, and the tight end is a position that sets up nicely against Indiana. The problem is, like, I'm just not that interested in what whoever it is, O'Shaughnessy so uh, you know, I forget what the other guy's uh, name is. Uh, they acquired him from someone else in the offseason. The but,
1: valve, uh, they're, they're, it's going to be set. The valve. You oh, don't want to really? play the valve.
2: I, you know, I don't have too many, uh, you know, data points stored in my uh, head on Seth DeValve. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not a game I'm terribly interested in. Uh, you know, Fournette's a guy, uh, you know, we, we typically like, uh, just given kind of the workload he projects to get but, um, he's really priced up this week. I think it kind of makes him, uh, tough, tough to play. And, And what Foles is coming back this week, right? Yep. Um, Historically, he's been pretty, like, low efficiency per drop back as a quarterback. And, uh, you know, Indy's a team that's going to try to lower the pace uh, as much as they can. So I'm not too uh, enthralled with this game. Uh, talk you away from it. But um, I, yeah, I don't really have too many notes on this game. Uh,
1: all so all you, I, you all know, I look know. at is the price and the ownership. And I go, Leonard Fournette could have 90% workload at 7,900. And he's under 10% on projected. And then I take a look at like D.D. Westbrook is going to be back. He's 4,500. When, he when he was playing, he was getting 8, 9, 10 targets. I'm looking at a Marlon Mack who busted as semi-chalky last week at projected 3% ownership at 6,400. I'm just saying, yeah, you're right. It's not an appealing game. I mean, the Dolphins-Bills game is not an appealing game either. But the prices dictate, like, I could get the outlier here. And, like, what makes it that a Nick Foles, Shark, Westbrook with a Marlon Mack run back, like, I'm not saying to jam into 50% of my lineups, but uh, – and, and who says a Brissette type of st- – I mean, I'm more inclined to, to stack Foles on one side. Uh, but, I mean, the pieces of the game, even if you want to play a little Westbrook or a little Fournette – or a little Marlin Mac or something like that. It's not high probability, but I mean, like, yeah, I, yeah, I know the Panthers are good. Like, I don't, I don't need to do much analysis on that. So here, it's, it's, it's more of a, a game theory play, not that like, if you looked at your model and the raw stats and the DVP and everything, it would show that the most likely outcome in this game is low for ceiling, but for the price, yeah, if I'm gonna the 10% of my portfolio has pieces of this game. Like, I mean, that's what separates people from winning Millie and not.
2: Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, last week I, I was kind of, I did some digging on the Colts and uh, they do have actually a pretty correlated, uh, passing attack. And, uh, you know, just some guys who, yeah, I just liked the way kind of they're, they're in what they played like Oakland last week, I believe. Like I liked, uh, you know, how that set up, uh, with T Y Hilton being out, we had, uh, you know, Ebron and Zach Pascal, strongly negative correlates of T.Y. Hilton. Uh, you know, you had reason to think that they would, you know, have, had some upside in his absence. Both correlating, I believe, well with each other and both positively correlating with Brissette. Um, Obviously didn't work. I mean, that what was that game? Like 15-12 or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I in the past have liked the correlation on the ND side. Um, I don't know. I'm not convinced that this is the spot to deploy it, but, um, you know, I'm kind of thinking it's like most probable outcome. And, you know, I do agree, uh, you know, if you're chasing kind of an edge case, uh, not chasing, but if you are, you know, building some lineups with an edge, uh, you know, outlier outcome in mind, uh, you know, there, there is, there is some, some stuff to like in this game, I guess.
1: Okay. Moving on to the next game. We got three left. Uh, I'm going to call this next game uh, the correlative nightmare game. Uh, it's Patriots at Eagles, forty-five total. Patriots favored by three and a half. Uh, I view both teams as uh, their offense goes to eight million people. So, like, uh, I I don't know where the ceilings correlate to anything. Maybe you could give me some insight on this. But like, with three active running backs for the Patriots, uh, Howard and Sanders for the Eagles, and a whole mess of tight and Aguilar and Earths and Goddard. And then you have Edelman, Sanu, Dorset, And like, like how, how do you ever predict what, what, how would you stack this game in any predict like other than just throwing darts?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's pretty hard to, um, you know, New England's defense is so good and I think it makes it pretty. And, and just given how like, hodgepodge uh, you know Philadelphia's offense right now I think it's pretty hard to you know organize like a well-constructed Philadelphia stack that you feel good about um, you know I think like maybe you could take just like a one-off play like Julian Edelman uh, you know Philadelphia I think you know their kind of defensive tendencies are well documented super strong against the run Uh you know, you couple that with, like you said, the fact that New England has you know, three different running backs that could feasibly, uh, you know, find pay dirt. Uh, and, you know, all of them have, I mean, yeah, zero floors. Uh, like, yeah, it's not a game I'm t- too interested in stacking. Uh, you know, I think trying, you know, you could take kind of like a dart throw with some of those cheap New England receivers. It's like a one-off type play, Uh against philadelphia but uh yeah not not a game i'm too interested in certainly from the philadelphia side and the new england um you know stuff uh new england though i will one note i have on the defense is they are a little more attackable against uh tight end allowing you know an elevated uh opponent adjusted market share and efficiency per target to tight ends uh you know i think there a case could be made that like you know Ertz's price uh hasn't climbed a ton. And with the absence of like Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, um, you know, I say Ertz also like Goddard too. I mean, both these guys, uh, you know, I think could be in play, but as you mentioned earlier, like Titans tough when you're not stacking with, uh, you know, the quarterback Ertz does feel like, like one of the, guys that I would feel okay, uh, playing like without his, you know, qu- uh, quarterback, just cause he gets like so many receptions. So like you could, seems like you could get, uh, Potentially like a 10 catch Ertz game and maybe, you know, 10 would be an insane deal.ing but, you know, like a seven or eight catch Ertz game, Uh, you know, Carson Wentz doing pretty much what he's done all year and next to nothing. Um, You know, that that might be like one way I'd be thinking about attacking this game. Uh, Probably just trying to pull the like individual pieces as part of a, you know, alternative uh, stack.
1: Next game on the slate. I I know we talked a little bit about the the, the Cardinals earlier today. Cardinals 49ers, 49ers at home, 44 and a half total. San Francisco favored by 10 and a half currently. Uh, with uh, Sanders out, we're going to see a very chalky Debo Samuel at 4K. Uh, we also have Kittle out, and maybe people are going to look at Ross Dwelly like. Arizona is notoriously, you know, fast paced and could obviously give up turnovers, maybe inflate the play total for the opponent's team, the the opponent that they're facing. Uh, Yet, I still don't feel compelled that I think a Garoppolo, Samuel, Dwelly type of stack with like Christian Kirk on the other side has enough ceiling. Or like if you throw in Tevin Coleman into that mix, Uh, And there, with if breed is out. Like, I just don't see the I think the 49ers defense is good that I don't necessarily am looking to go like Murray, Kirk, Fitzgerald or something like that. The running backs, who knows what's going to happen with David Johnson and Kenyon Drake and everyone. Uh, I just see that the 49ers offense, the way that they want to play, meaning running the ball kind of automatically negates what the Cardinals do as far as like inflating the play total that maybe you're different, but I'm not all that compelled about stacking this game. I mean, I I may like some pieces, but like not like not five guys.
2: Yeah, it does. It does feel like a pieces, not the game kind of uh, opportunity. Like San Francisco's defense is really good. I mean, they're New England light. They're behind New England, allowing the, uh, you know, lowest fantasy points per pass attempt to opposing QBs uh, the second highest opponent adjusted sack rate on opposing QBs. So like, uh, you know, Kyler is a guy I just not really too interested in, although he did, I think, exceed kind of expectations in his first showing against San Francisco, um, you know, at San Francisco, like I'm just not really that compelled by an Arizona stack. Uh, we talked about at the top of the show. I mean, you uh, you know, Kirk is one of these guys who negatively correlates with the opposing uh, passing attack, positively correlates with opposing running backs. We have Tevin Coleman, who, you know, has had explosive games with the San Francisco team in the past, uh, minus Matt Breida. Like, I do think Kirk and and it's interesting, like we saw it kind of with Will Fuller, uh, you know, earlier in the season, like we'll see kind of like this slate breaking performance receiver. His price will go up you know, get a slightly worse matchup and then nobody wants anything to do with him. Uh, I think you see it also in like DFS golf too, a decent amount. Like the guy who wins the tournament, the previous weekend, people would just want to stay away from the next weekend. And uh, you know, I, I wonder, you know, how much ownership we'll see on Christian Kirk. Um, so He's currently I currently you
1: know, projected I at 6% RG. I think, yeah. it, I think it'll be high. I, I, tri- I think it'll end up being double digits, yeah. but I mean, I'm I'm still willing to possibly take a shot even at yeah. like 10%, but I I, I just think that, that 40 points from last week is going to inflate it enough that maybe I just don't bother.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I, I'm never great at, you know, projecting ownership. I'm kind of just relying on what, what I'm seeing uh, around the industry. But, uh, hey, I mean, uh, the, their defense is priced down at $1,500. Uh, we saw – the data hold true last week with the uh, Kirk opposing back Arizona DST. Uh, you know, I would be a little interested in kind of like this well-correlated secondary stack of Kirk, Tevin Coleman, Arizona defense at 1-5. Um, and then, I mean, you have a, like a pretty good amount of money to to play around with at uh, some of these other, you know, as you're filling out your roster, you um, so that's kind of how I'm approaching this game. I, I think uh, it does feel difficult to try to just be like, oh, no George Kittle, no Emmanuel Sanders. Like, let's go nuts with, uh, you know, Garoppolo and, you know, his cheap pieces. Uh, yeah, Debo Samuel, I think, will be pretty chalky. I, I mean, I think he will be good chalk in cash. Um, his snap, you know, his snap percentage and target market share and yards market share have been steadily on the rise, uh, for the past three or four weeks now. Um, and yeah, he's looked the part, uh, you know, I watched some of that Monday night game and yeah, I mean, he just looked real, real strong. Um, Kendrick Bourne is a guy who early on in the season, I was trying to play a little bit of just because he, uh, in 2018 actually got a pretty good amount of red zone, uh, exposure. Like he was a guy that, uh, you know, San Francisco was looking for in the red zone and, with you know Manny Sanders and Kittle out uh right like there's gonna be some opportunity that needs to be filled uh Kendrick Bourne at like I think he's like min price uh could be interesting to me and uh you know we saw him catch a touchdown last week and um you know it could be a guy I'm interested in going back to uh just as a one-off piece or maybe you know you trying to stack up with Kirk and just saying hey like the data would suggest that correlation's not there but at three thousand you know three thousand or whatever You know, I don't need like some excessive game from Kendrick Bourne. I need him to, you know, four catches, fifty yards, and touchdown. Uh, You know, that that could be a piece to a tournament winning lineup.
1: Okay, the last game on the slate, also known as my favorite game on the slate, (laughs) Bengals Raiders, forty-eight and a half total. Oakland at home, favored by eleven and a half. Okay, Stewart. Ryan Finley, Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, run it back with Jacobs and Darren Waller. Uh, what should I do with my million dollars? Tell me, tell me what <laughs> I'm already I'm already selecting what I, what I should be doing uh, with with Ryan Finley's season with uh, Tyler Boyd. I played he gets the most amount of targets that does nothing. Uh, I'm I'm just going to press the regression button against this Raiders secondary. And, uh, and hope for the best. Uh, I, in comparison to the, I mean, it's not like this game is unowned. Jacobs is going to be chalky. Waller is always to I me mean, because the tight end position kind of sucks. Carr is going to be owned. Boyd is even going to get a little ownership. Uh, in comparison to the Panthers Falcons game, like, the only question in this game is that is the are the Bengals going to have a pulse? But if the Bengals have a pulse, like I I can't see at the prices that they're at that it doesn't go through Finley Mixon, Boyd, Tate, I I mean like I just to me it I look at like the I look like the Bills Dolphins game, I could see turning into a game that you look on red zone and go I can't believe it's over that early. Like, I don't even see this game being that. I could see this game being, wow, I can't believe the Raiders put up 63 points at home.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, there (laughs) feels like they could do that. And I don't know, I I expect Cincinnati to have more of a pulse than they did last week. I mean, I don't know, early in the season there was talk like, oh, this isn't, you know, the usual Baltimore defense. And like, yeah, it's not as good as past Baltimore defenses, but the data suggests that Baltimore still – you know a defense that's going to pretty effectively limit opponents, and certainly going to effectively limit you know this listless Bengals team and Oakland. Uh, you know they're they're a bit uh, I guess porous on defense. They're actually allowing the most opponent adjusted uh, DraftKings points per pass attempt to opposing quarterbacks. And uh, you know Finley's price, like that's something I'm interested in, and feel like you know there there is some upside there. Um, you know, and then, and then even, like, with Derek Carr, I mean, running, running a, you know, stack built around the Oakland side, uh, you know, Cincinnati's allowing the most uh, fantasy points per passing air yard uh, for quarterbacks. So, like, I think there's, you know, opportunities to some big passing uh, performances really from either side. Um, running backs, Josh Jacobs against Cincinnati. Uh, you know, total smash spot Uh, Cincinnati uh, allowing the second most opponent adjusted DraftKings points per rush attempt behind only uh, Carolina. And um, I don't know, Jacobs, isn't a guy you, you, you know, are counting on to get some run as a pass catcher, but uh, you know, Cincinnati is allowing an, Elevated market share uh fourth fourth highest kind of opponent adjusted running back market share so you know you do feel like if you could get uh you know two catches out of jacobs like you'd be pretty happy with that given the uh you know workload we're expecting from him in the run game um i mean man there's a lot to be i think uh excited about i'm not really interested in attacking oakland's run defense They're, they're pretty stingy um against running backs on the ground and through the air um I mean, Oakland, they're allowing the highest opponent-adjusted uh, wide receiver air yards. So getting some of those, uh, you know, Cincinnati uh, pass catchers, like, makes a ton of sense. I, I, you know, I'd also throw in there on top of Tate, uh, who's, who's been, like, actually, like, a pretty good air yards guy for Cincinnati. Maybe their best, you know, Boyd and uh, Alex Erickson, who... Feels like he has a limited ceiling, but uh, also uh, you know he does get kind of these uh, decent amount of just low low A dot targets. Um, but yeah, Auden Tate has been kind of their uh, big air yards uh, hog. Um, so yeah, at the price, like I'm really interested in incorporating him into some tournament builds. Um, and then Darren Wall, you touched on. Um, I don't know. I like there's kind of a dearth of quality tight ends this week with no Kelsey, uh, you know, no piddle. so. I guess yeah, Waller probably will be pretty popular. I do wonder, like, do you think people will be scared away by his ineffectiveness the past few weeks? Um, you, he's he's no, coming in no, at the no, highest no.
1: projected ownership at twenty four percent, so I don't think so.
2: Okay, well, you know, I, even if chalk, I, I, I like him nonetheless. I mean, uh, Cincinnati Cincinnati is allowing the second highest opponent adjusted tight end catch rate, and I think in the past that's kind of been what's dragged Waller down. It's like he's gotten uh, you know pretty good volume and just hasn't been converting you know, has been catching at a super high rate in his bad games If we can project him to you know catch more than usual uh, You know his, his balls like I think Waller sets up great. So uh, I, I I'm kind of with you I mean, this is the game. I'm most interested in stacking uh, From like an ownership and price standpoint. I, I mean, I think Carolina um, you know Carolina, the Atlanta games. Uh, Carolina, Atlanta, uh, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, uh, Baltimore, Houston. Like obviously, from a raw standpoint, these are kind of superior games. But uh, I think uh, you know that, that Carolina, like, just going to be so much ownership on it, uh, and even though the prices are good, like, this game really intrigues me a lot. So um, I like we, some. Just, of just make
1: different. sure, Stewart. Mm-hmm. If you stack this, okay. This is this is the winning lineup. Everyone. Here's the Millie maker winning lineup. It's going to be the Bengal stack. fiddly Boyd, Tate with a Josh Jacobs run back. I can't put Waller there, though, because there's a very, very good reason why I can't, because I need to save that spot for Dawson Knox. <laughs> you put Dawson Knox with a secondary correlation with Devante Parker on the other side. And then you have you have the money now to play Thomas and McCaffrey. And then the Cardinals defense, the cheap defense. So, what so, type, what color Lamborghini should I get? Uh,
2: <laughs> Tie that one. Uh, so, so you're ruling out though, the double uh, tight end Waller, Dawson Knox. Uh. Oh, oh <laughs> now
1: I, now, oh,
2: that's, what's going
1: to beat me. That's okay. I, you're I on ger- the next level. That,
2: that, that stack will be super low owned. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I think you might, I think you might be unique if you like truly unique. If you're going Dawson Knox, Darren Waller. Yeah.
1: Okay, so from a general standpoint to close out the show, uh, uh, outside of obviously me looking at the games that are horrible, uh, if you had to choose, like, for just from raw expectation, the top three would be what the Panthers game, the Raiders game, and the Saints Buccaneers game, right?
2: Hey, I mean, I like that Houston Baltimore game too. Uh, both those offenses, Baltimore in particular, like can really move quick if they want to. Um, I, I don't know. I'm a little nonplussed, honestly, on that New Orleans Tampa Bay game. But um, You know, it's going to be popular. Yeah, I mean, so I, I could see myself uh, being underweight on that game. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Houston Baltimore, Atlanta Carolina, and uh, yeah, man, I like that Cincinnati Oakland game a decent amount.
1: <laughs> so, uh, the new tools that you have on advanced sports analytics—where uh, can uh, people find that and uh, and get in touch with you?
2: Yeah, that's advancedsportsanalytics.com. Um, right now, all our stuff is you know for subscribers only. Uh, we typically, when we roll out a new tool, you know, make that public for a week or two. Uh, I'm hoping by the time we have a show next week, to have a pretty cool uh, you know projection tool where people can you know, use our own projections, but I think also like, uh, you know, incorporate maybe some stands that they want to make into those projections. I'm hoping to have that ready for next week. Uh, you know, which will be free, uh, you know, for the, for the first weekend, maybe like over Thanksgiving or something like that. I haven't, I haven't really thought it out, but, uh, yeah, check us out at advanced sports analytics.com. All the, sh- all the tools you're seeing, uh, in this, uh, in this show and previous shows, you know, or, or can be used there. And, uh, you know, if you guys have questions on, how to use them or, uh, you know, et cetera, like email, uh, Twitter. Those are good places to reach us.
1: Yep. And I'm on Twitter as always, probably next week. Uh, Travis will be back as long as he gets his, gets his voice back. Uh, but you can always find me in the Roto grinders discord. I'm in, I'm in all the sports channels. Feel free to at blender HD and, and mention me if you have, you have any questions, any vomit stacks or any, anything, uh GPP strategy. Uh, so, uh, so for week 11 and Stuart Gibson and a, Advanced Sports Analytics. I'm Jordan Cooper on rotogrinders.com.